Good morning. Good to see you all here this morning in Ridgefield. Uh, I'm Dustin Payne. If you came in a little late, I am the church planner for Go Church PDX in Portland. And I know what you're thinking. No, I'm not dressed as Steve Jobs for Halloween. This is how I normally dress. So I know it was on everyone's mind. Um, This week I've been meditating on, well, where my life is right now. My wife and I, we've moved 2,000 miles from Houston, Texas, um, and as soon as I left, the Astros started losing, and it's just been really hard on me, but <laughs> sorry, I've just got the jokes this morning, but I've, I've been meditating on my life uh, over the, the last really two weeks in prayer, and I don't know where you've been and what season of life you've had, but um, there are times, I feel, in our lives where we're asking God to deliver, We're asking God for a turning point. We're asking God to change something so that we might become something. We're asking God so much. And then he does it. And we forget about him. And I was writing my, uh, my wife and I, we've been praying for three years, actually. We knew we were moving here for three years. We prayed every day. And I don't know if you've been to Houston, but they practically give houses away for free in Houston. Okay, so a lot of things had to change. So one of the prayer requests that my wife and I had for literally three years was, God, if you're going to make a way, you're going to provide a house. You're going to have to do that. Lord, if you're going to make a way, you're going to have, I mean, it cost us like $6,000 to move what little stuff we had just to move ourselves up here. I'm like, Lord, you have to make a way. And uh, I have this dry erase board on my wall in my kitchen. And we write our prayer requests there. And we have four categories. We have adoration, things we're praising God for, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And we got to see everything that we've been praying for in supplication move to thanksgiving. Right? Isn't that amazing? Isn't God good like that? But we have to be paying attention to our good Father and who he is. And so this morning, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about is our good Father and how we're his kids. It's Halloween today, and so you're going to see lots of lots of kids. And so my one hope for you this week, as, uh, or this day really, is that as every little kid comes to your door, you might remember something that was said today. And so uh, with that, last week Mark concluded his teachings on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount with it's one thing to hear the teachings of Jesus, and it's another thing to do them. If you remember that, it was this kind of pinnacle moment where we've moved away and off, And before we go to the next season of preaching, before we look into what God has for this church, um, we want to have this transitionary time. And if you were going to write anything down today, if you were going to take the notes, I I figured I'd give you a break after last week with the fill in the blanks. So uh, we just left all that blank for you to write whatever you want. You can draw some pictures, some smiley faces, just you can take it easy today. Mark's not here. He won't know. But if you're going to write anything down, you can write this down. That status in God's kingdom comes through serving in God's kingdom. That status comes through serving. This phrase is contradictory in our brains and in our culture. American culture has a fundamental belief that we all kind of hold inside of us that shapes how we see our happiness. I have a photo here from Investopedia. According to Investopedia, consumerism is this idea that increasing the consumption of goods and services purchased in the market is always a desirable goal. 
which sounds about right, but then there's this last part, and that a person's well-being and happiness depend fundamentally on obtaining consumer goods and material possessions, which makes sense. Have you ever seen a sad person on a jet ski? No, no, this economic idea actually has a, a deep stranglehold on how we see the world. Uh, we, we don't even realize it sometimes that we define happiness externally not from who we are, but on what we have. I mean, if you think about it, everyone in here has had a moment in their life where they said, if I just had a little more, things would be better. That isn't the disposition of a child of God who has everything. That's an American idea, one that I don't like. Our culture celebrates the wealthy. It rejoices in the words of celebrities and the wisdom of Fortune 500 CEOs. Innately, we believe somewhere in us that if you are great, you're going to have stuff. For men, it's more wealth, more position, more authority. For women, it's more beauty, more independence, more youth. Culture says to be great, I have to have more, and I have to obtain it. But Jesus, in his subversive, upside-down kingdom, says to be great, you actually have to become less. Because status in God's kingdom actually comes by lowering yourself, by serving. Status comes through serving. So this is what scripture says in Matthew 18, 1 through 4. So it said, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It's important here that what is that time? The last conversation the disciples were having was actually on taxes, kings, wealth, and personality. And so the disciples were asking, well, well God, well, Jesus, who is great in your kingdom? Who are going to be the wealthy? Who are going to be the ones with the status and the power, the ability to tax and the ability to set free? Who are those people? Because we kind of want to be like that. This is what Jesus says. He says, calling to him a child, Jesus put him in the midst of them. Uh, I, immediately, I want to stop here because Jesus does these prophetic things that we don't always understand the conversations on kings and power and wealth and taxes and money and all of this. And so when the question is brought to Jesus, well, Jesus, how do I become great? He says, hold on. He says, bring this kid over here. He says he put him in the middle of them. In the middle. Like, because the child is worth just as much as each one of those disciples. Value doesn't come by what you produce or what you obtain. Jesus puts this child in the middle of them, in the middle of the twelve, and then he says, it's true what I say to you. He says, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you turn and become, you can't even get in. And then he says this, to answer the question. It's actually whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So greatness isn't measured by possessions, personality, or purses. Greatness is measured paradoxically in smallness and humility, innocence. To be self-elevated 
in God's kingdom is to be lowered. But to actually to go low in God's kingdom, he raises you up. Like, I think where young people get it wrong in church is we come in and we see the pastor and we initially see like the eldership and the leaders as a hierarchy. We immediately think that they're worth more. This is another problem how we see complementarianism. We see that, oh, well, we, we have a hard time and we, uh, identifying that, that people have different roles, so we equate status with it. That, that if someone's making the decisions, they're more valuable. But actually, being like a pastor or a leader of a church doesn't make you more valuable. It, it actually means you're the servant of everybody. It's like if you want to climb the church hierarchy, you got to go low. The people up on this stage spend every day serving you. Every, every week they're wrapping their brains around what songs do we pick to serve these people? What, what do we preach on to serve these people? How do we lead these people to know Christ more? That's the heart of Go Church Ridgefield. That's the heart of God's kingdom. It's the heart of children. In Matthew 23, 11 through 12, Jesus says that the greatest among you will be your servant. He says, whoever exalts himself, we're gonna, that guy's going to be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Then later in the New Testament, Peter writes this. He says, likewise, you who are younger, he, he says this, be subject to the elders, those old people. And he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, because this is true. God opposes the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. So he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and at the proper time, he'll exalt you. So in Jesus' subversive kingdom, it's going to upend the way we think about how we do life here in America. It's going to end up in the way we do life in China or Europe or anywhere else. He makes a kingdom of kids, who fight and argue sometimes. And they might take other kids' stuff, another. And they actually can't produce much. But being a child means something very simple in this, in this teaching. It means that you are utterly dependent on your good father. It's a recognition of you are powerless and you have no control over anything in your life. If your dad wakes you up at six in the morning and says you're going to work with him, you're going to work with him. Jesus looks at these adults, these disciples who are vying for more power and greatness in his kingdom. And he says that, you know, you're in the wrong kingdom if you're thinking like this. He says that there's this, these fundamentals just to get into the kingdom. He says turning, becoming, and humbling yourself. He says you have to, he says in verse 3, he says unless you turn and become like children, you can't enter. And then to be great, you have to humble yourself. So I see there's three clear things in this teaching. There's a turning point that all of us must face as followers of Jesus. At some point in your life, you are going to turn and face what you have to become. And you're going to make a decision. You're going to make a decision. Is it this child that I'm going to be? Do I really want to give up my autonomy, my independence? Do I really want to give up what control I have in my life and my way? And it's my own destiny. Do I want to give all of that away to become powerless and weak 
there is this defining turning point in all of our lives. And sometimes we have it day to day when we get up and we say, this is what it means to follow Jesus right now. And we stare at this cost of following Jesus Christ and we think, I don't want to do it. Will you devote your life to yourself or to the king who gives himself? Because it's not enough to also just say, I'll be a kid, I'll follow Christ. It's not just turning to it and making a decision, but it's also becoming it. I, I see it as there tend, tends to be two kinds of Christians. There are those who want to go to a good church, and then there are those who want to be a good church. Those who turn only, but who never become. But as it says in Peter, unless we clothe ourselves in radical humility, Christian servanthood, and become a kid in this kid kingdom, we're probably people in the first group. We're just people who like the idea of sacrifice. We're people who like the idea of selflessness, love, and humility. I say let the kids scream. It's good. It's, like, it's, it's good. There's a difference between liking the idea of Jesus and becoming the ideal Jesus. There's a difference between looking at what it means to be a disciple and being it. Jesus says you have to turn and become. You don't get into the kid, the kid kingdom without first deciding to join the kid kingdom. But then when, when you have to, you have to become it. It means less of my wants, less of my needs. I have less power, I have less authority. I don't get to control anything. I have to leave it up to my good father. And that's hard for a generation who doesn't believe God is good. There's a whole generation of people out in America whose parents went to church and they've seen all sorts of atrocities and they don't think our God is good. And so it's hard to give up who you are if you think that that God doesn't love you. It's hard to follow and be a kid in a bad household. It's hard to become vulnerable and open if the God that we know isn't loving. But this is before us. We have to turn and make a decision we have to become. In Philippians 2, 3, and 4, Paul says that we shouldn't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility we should count each other, us here, as more significant than ourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Everyone in this room is capable of this living. Everyone in this room can serve one another and count each other more significant than yourself. The body of Christ, when it's becoming like a child, is just powerful. Where the people are turning to one another and outdoing one another in honor and everyone's serving themselves. If I'm focused on meeting your needs and you're focused on meeting all my needs, all our needs are always met.
the heart of Go Church, it, it, it isn't to become a, a great name. It isn't like we're trying to build like a mega church here that brings in all sorts of people. That's not the heart of it. Um, it's actually to create a movement, a church that plants churches, a, a kid kingdom that spawns off kid kingdoms. And at Go Church PDX, when we go to Portland, that's the sort of church we want to plant. One that looks at what our culture believes about value and says, your value isn't going to be found there. It's not going to be found in, in your identity or what you can obtain. It isn't about getting more. It's about becoming less. It's living in this humility of Jesus Christ, this obedience that we experience the fullness of Christ. It's in Christ's humility that he loved us. For God to love us, he has to have humility. Does that make sense? It's in his humility that he loves us. It's in Christ's humility that he loves the Father, that he'd be obedient to the point of death, especially death on a cross. It was in Christ's humility that he serves you, because the truth is, is you can't serve someone without humility. You can help people from a place of arrogance and selfishness. I believe the world does this every day. There's a, a, a system we have in this country when we serve people that it makes us feel better about ourselves. Like we're like in the power place and we're serving uh, those people. But what the world around you doesn't understand about Jesus and his gospel is that he had all of the power and all of the authority and he chose not to serve himself but he chose to serve you. That out of humility, he would become low. And because of that, the Father has exalted him where he has become the name above all names. He sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And so then he sends him out and he gives that authority to you. But it's not in the kind of authority that you can obtain by making yourself great. It's the only kind that can be given. Because status in God's kingdom is given by God through serving. If you want to experience real life and real purpose in his gospel, you have to become like a kid and live the life of Jesus. Clothing yourself in humility. The world believes wrongly that status in life, that it comes through wealth and power... And that those things can somehow provide a joyous, happy life. They don't understand that the joy of being a kid in a good house with a good father. Where, do, you, do you remember that, being a kid? Where you didn't ever have to worry about anything because your family took care of you. And then you became an adult one day and you had a mortgage. And then you had kids and all of a sudden, you started to get this idea that the world depended on you. And most certainly, it seemed your family depended on you. But the kid kingdom, it all depends on God the Father. In the kid kingdom, there is a life and a joy that comes when we give all of our life to him. But the religious person doesn't understand this either. The world gets it wrong and then the religious get it wrong because the religious person believes that service and serving can be done without humility. They see it as there's us and then there's them. 
They think that it's only those who are, who are good that should be rewarded with grace. They believe because of their good deeds that they could earn the grace of God like they were the good, for, the good kid in the family. We all had those ones, right? Lyra, are you my good kid? <laughs> Sorry, you don't have to answer. Yes, <laughs> it's a trick question. What do you do? But Christian servanthood requires a radical humility. One of a kid-like nature. Jesus says that anyone who tries to save their life will lose it. That's a promise. It's true. Jesus said it. And then he said, but whoever gives it because of the sake of the gospel in him will find it. Christian service, it requires this radical humility. It requires making others' needs more important than yourself. And I think we miss this when we call God our Father. We forget the implications that that means I'm his child. And we don't remember what that means anymore. We don't remember that everything is given to us. That I don't bring anything to the table. Every good thing in my life comes from him. He's in control. I'm surrendered to his world. If you want to experience the kid's status, it requires you to serve and become humble. You're going to have to turn and make that decision. And then you're going to have to become it. Live it out. And then to be great, you'll have to go low. My prayer for you, Go Church, is to turn and choose that. I want to be part of a church that outdoes one another in honor by showing each other honor. A church of children who have given all of themselves to the Lord for he is good. So my encouragement for you this Halloween is that when you get the kids that come to your door, give them a lot of candy. (laughs) Recognize how trusting they are that they would literally visit a stranger's door and trust a stranger's gift. That they believe that somehow they'll be safe. And I'm sure mom's driving a car somewhere around and she's got an eye out. But this is my heart for you to become that. Trusting in everything. And if the Lord says go, you go. So would you join me today in making our faith about Jesus Christ and about each other? Not about what I can obtain here. That I could get more spiritual as if that was another good that would provide me happiness but only that I would know the person of Jesus and celebrate his goodness with my fellow brothers and sisters of the child kingdom. So you can put down the fighting, the arguments, the status and the stuff and just become a kid again today. So just join me in prayer. Oh, good Father God, 
man, you are so good to us, and we are sometimes so ungrateful. Lord, we ask when we need, and we don't think when we have. Lord, we think often wrongly that you are uh, the cause of all of our pain and all of our trouble, but constantly you bless us in ways we don't even understand or know sometimes. Lord, would you move mightily in Go Church this week? Would you move mightily in her people that they would experience your power and your presence, your provision, that they would put on clothes of humility and become like children again in your kingdom, that we might celebrate how good you really are. Lord Jesus, help us choose you today. Help us choose, regardless of the cost to my independence and my self-worth, help us choose you, Jesus. Lord, lead us into life everlasting. Amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.